if I can get a high schooler to read Hamlet, then I'm sure that I can get somebody to buy a bottle of alcohol. This week, we are brought to you by Attest. Attest is a consumer research platform that enables brands to make customer understanding a competitive advantage with continuous insights. By combining unparalleled speed and data quality with on-demand research guidance, the platform makes it simple and fast to uncover opportunities with consumer data and grow without guesswork. Hello and welcome to the Shiny New Object Podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative, and this is a weekly show where I interview the industry's leaders about their vision for the future of the industry. So I'm on a call with Sarah Master, who is Senior Director, E-Commerce, Marketing and Digital Shelf at Constellation Brands. Sarah, for anyone who doesn't know you, can you just give us an overview of who you are and what you do? Absolutely. At Constellation Brands, I lead e-commerce marketing, which means I ensure that our beer, wine and spirits products are marketed online and store and other places in a way that consumers can find them online to buy for delivery to their homes. And then I also ensure that all the product content they see online at retailers' websites is up to date and compelling to help them uh, make their purchase decisions. And what was your path to arriving at that role? What are the main jobs you've done over the years? You know, it's really funny. I actually started uh, my career in teaching. I, I'm a avid reader and I really wanted to be a high school English teacher and get students reading Shakespeare. And um, somewhere along the lines around when I graduated, I realized teaching wasn't going to work out for me. And I thought, what are my transferable skills? And I realized if I can get a high schooler to read Hamlet, then I'm sure <laughs> I can get somebody to buy a bottle of alcohol. And um, that's when I started my marketing journey. And I had a lot of a lot of different jobs along the way. Um, but uh, where I feel like my career really took off is when I started working at digital marketing agencies and doing marketing for brands like Starbucks and um Kimberly Clark, which is diapers and other um, paper goods. And then even Mondelez, which owns like Oreo and Ritz crackers and uh, Chips Ahoy cookies and other things along those lines. So really um, getting into the CPG world and doing digital marketing with those folks is what brought me to Constellation Brands, uh, where I am today. I love that story. And I'm going to ask, what is directly transferable from Hamlet to alcohol advertising? <laughs> So if you can inspire someone that doesn't want to do it to do something, then it's pretty easy to inspire someone that does want to do it to do something. So if I could get some students to be interested in reading Hamlet, how much harder could it be to get someone that perhaps would like to buy a bottle of alcohol, a bottle of Corona to get to buy that product, right? It's, it's much, much easier to do that when people are ready and willing. Very true. And an unusual insight for the podcast. So I would like to also understand what advice would you give to people who want to follow in your footsteps? What advice would you give to a student who's new to the industry and looking to establish themselves? I would give them the advice, go as big as you can from the start. It's always easier to go smaller. So go to the biggest school you can go to, um, take the splashiest major, 
that sounds appealing to you. Take the job at the biggest firm that you can get into, but always start bigger. And then once you realize and understand exactly where you want your career to go, you can start going to more specialized companies. So in my case, it was about getting into the biggest marketing agency I could get into, supporting the most recognizable brands. That gives you more credibility when you're starting out in your career to be able to make choices later on about where you want to to go. So the advice is to get some big names under your belt and then people think you're cool because you've worked on big brands and then you can always go niche after that. People will know you're cool, Tom, not think. They'll (laughs) know you're cool. (laughs) Yes, but that pretty much sums it up. Moving on from advice to tips. So I always ask, what is the top marketing tip that you find yourself sharing most often? Was it something you heard early in your career or have heard recently? So I think that it's an easy thing to say, but a really hard thing to do, which is you have to be consumer led. And so that's always my top tip. Be consumer led and follow where the consumers are going. Don't don't be so drawn into your brand or product that you're marketing that you can't see where the consumer is. Because if you aren't following them, you're not going to win. So I'm going to say something odd for someone that runs an ad tech business. But if you're going to be truly consumer led, you wouldn't advertise right? People don't need advertising, right? They don't need to be interrupted. They don't need to understand a brand's social purpose. They, they don't need to see your 20% off. They don't need to see your new brand campaign. So to be truly consumer-led is to not advertise at all. So how do you how do you recognize that tension? That um, is a fair question, a fair point. I would say that to be truly consumer-led, you still need to help the consumer find your product. And as long as your product is in line with the consumer's expectations, then you will um, delight them, right? But if if you're not advertising, if you're not telling the consumer about your product, then essentially you're doing them a disservice because you're not giving them the solution that they need. And if you're consumer-led, you have that right solution that they're going to want. I mean, that's That's a good answer, but only good if you have the best product. Because if you don't have the best product, you are are distracting them from the best product. So... So but who's to say what's the best product for any particular consumer, right? They they're gonna you're gonna try to give it to them, but they they might want something else. I can feel like uh, like a Hamlet esque uh, introspection and dialogue coming through here. This episode of the Shiny New Object Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest and most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. We're at the stage now where we are going to talk about your shiny new object. And your shiny new object is value exchange with customers. So I think I know what that means, but why is a value exchange with uh, consumers, customers, your shiny new object? And why does it represent the future of the industry? I think we've spent a long time with the madmen ask advertising where we tell consumers what we think that they want and then make them buy it. And it's, it's time that we really think about 
giving consumers what they need and giving them value and moving marketing past a disruption. I have spent many days earlier in my career in big meeting rooms with people talking about how they're going to disrupt mom in the grocery store and get them to buy the product that we're trying to sell to her. And I feel like that's not creating a value exchange with the consumer. That's just interrupting someone when they're trying to grocery shop. So I want to reframe how we think about marketing um, to be about what can we give consumers that's useful and valuable for them. And so what we're going to do now is look at a test's research. Thanks to those guys for supplying this. It's new to the podcast, so I'm super excited. But they shared some of the, the key stats from their US consumer trends report. So definitely searchable online for that, guys, anyone who's listening to this. And they and there's three questions that, that I pulled out I think are interesting. They said, what marketing messages do consumers want to hear from brands? And number one, with 57% was humour. Make me laugh and entertain me. That was followed by 47% motivational, make me feel motivated and inspired. And then sort of wallowing in third place of 34.5% is educational. Educate me and help me learn new things. So, you know, you were talking about needs and value and moving past um, being a disruptor and, and being useful and valuable. But the, the research here would suggest that it's it's having a laugh. It's what consumers want in terms of marketing messages. How, how did you react to that when you saw that data? I thought that this data was really fascinating. And I actually thought that it really jived well with the value exchange because humor, laughing, that's valuable, right? That is that is giving consumers something of value. Specifically right now, I feel like there's a lot going on in the world. It's been a rough couple of years. I'm not necessarily surprised to see that humor is, is the number one thing that people are looking for from brands and the value that they're seeking, right? Humor, motivation, and education are their top values that they're looking for. But humor is so hard, isn't it? Like, be funny. I used to do comedy years ago, and I was ter- awful, awful at it. But occasionally you sort of let it slip, or deliberately let it slip at a party. That that's what you, what you did. And someone would say, well, tell me a joke. And he was like, ah, you know, that, that, that's not how it works. Can't just be funny. So I think, like, yes, people may want humor. But if you're, I don't know, toilet cleaner or beans or bread or something, it, it starts to get a bit more tricky. Although this, I can already think of brands that are quite funny and certainly in beans. But um, is, 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 uh, is humor... Is humor attainable for everyone? I think humor is attainable for many, many brands. Um, I think maybe there's a few where it would not be appropriate and maybe they want to go with motivate or educate or something else. But in general, I think humor is always attainable. Um, For the brands I work with, specifically thinking about right now, Corona, we have... um, really funny ads coming out this season featuring Snoop Dogg. And, um, and it's, it's all about the humor. I mean, that's what's really selling the product, the ability to laugh at ourselves and, and laugh at our marketing messages and, um, laugh at the beach is, is really the, the value behind that product that we're sharing with the consumers. So, yeah, I think, I think humor is attainable in most cases, but definitely if you're, uh, I don't know, selling coffins, maybe, then you might want to choose something else. <laughs> yes, it's getting, really, it's getting really Hamlet again. Um, so <laughs> so moving, moving across another stat I thought was really interesting. 70% of Americans want brands to take a stand on issues. Uh, and leading the charge was 
uh, poverty and inequality alongside racism at, at 36% and then climate change. So this is the opposite of humour, or at least should be. Uh, what was your view on, on that data? Was that surprising to you or does this sort of reflect what we're seeing in the marketing press? This is definitely in line with what we're seeing. Our research has been showing that consumers want brands, we call it take a brand stand. Um, they're looking for consumers to reflect, or excuse me, they're looking for brands to reflect their values. And um, it's hard. I'll, I'll be honest. It's, it's really hard. And pairing your product with something like poverty and, and inequity isn't necessarily something that all brands want to or can do. And then if you make the wrong choice, right, supporting the wrong program or discussing the wrong topic, you could really alienate a lot of your consumers. And so it's, it's really a difficult thing. And I don't think that companies or brands should take a brand stand if they're not choosing something that they actually really feel strongly about and as their core values as a company or a brand, you can't just choose a flavor of the moment, right? Um, and, and take a stand on it because you won't have the backbone to back it up and to stay true to that brand stand if consumers um, don't appreciate the direction that you've gone in. And so moving back to your, your point around disrupting mom in in the uh, in the supermarket, as we call it, or the grocery store, as you put it. Surely in a world of FMCG, where in a blind taste test, a lot of things are going to taste and feel very similar. And ultimately, it's all down to brand. And and obviously, it could be very often uh, driven driven by discount, you know, certainly in the alcohol category. Isn't disruption really powerful to to break up someone's journey, to make them think about your product differently in that moment. And if it converts, does it really matter? I think that it could be, disruption could be a tool to use, but is that really how you want to capture your consumer and convert? Is that the experience you want? Um, I, I would argue no. I think that brands should be building experiences that consumers want. If they want humor, give them humor, right? Like use your brand from that perspective. Don't try to put in a giant display case in the store that stops a consumer from being able to comfortably go down an aisle with their cart and call that how you're marketing. That's the, that's the easy way out, right? Like be better, challenge yourself to do more and give consumer something of value with their purchase or with their, with your marketing message. Um, I think an example of that would be with, with the popularity of NFTs right now. Um, you're not creating a value exchange if what you give them is an NFT of your product, right? An NFT of a bag of chips. That's not, that's not valuable. But if you are using the NFT to give them something that they actually want, then that can be useful. So an example of that would be our um, one of our wineries, we own Robert Mondavi Winery, did an NFT program where if you bought an NFT, it was, a, it was like a image, um, you would essentially have the right to purchase a very, very high-end, very limited edition custom bottle of wine later. And that NFT was essentially your ticket. And that I think is the kind of value exchange consumers are looking for um, versus a, a picture of your bag of chips, right? There's not a lot of value there. And on, on that NFT project, and I, ha I haven't seen it, so please tell me more, but 
are those values of those NFTs going up? Are they being traded? Have they got any value other than the access to this wine? The intention is that they potentially could go up and be traded um, in the future if that is what the consumer wanted. So the NFT actually acts as um, a a seal of approval for that wine. So in in high-end wine, there's actually some instances of people passing off wine that isn't (laughs) the high-end wine that you think you're buying in a closed bottle. It's it's, uh, something else. And so... um, this acts as like a marker to be able to prove that the wine that you're getting is actually that wine. And it's the trackings, like the digital fingerprint of that wine, if you will. And so, right. so it's, it's guaranteeing the guaranteeing the provenance of the bottle. It's because I was like, well, why don't you send them an email with a code on it? But you're, but you're, yeah, you're, you're actually, you're, the, the the a specific bottle of wine is related to that NFT. Exactly, exactly. Guarantees the provenance, and then if a consumer leader wished to sell it, they could sell the NFT, and then obviously send the wine to the buyer. So it does create a way for the product to be gain value and be sold on the open market at a later date if that was what somebody wished to do with it yeah i think that's absolutely fantastic i i do another show called advertisers watching ads which where it's like a brands watch other people's ads once a week and we talk about them on a on a video you should be my guest and we're discussing after the show the uh, metaverse ad uh, that we that we'd looked at and everyone was just like i don't really i know i'm not supposed to say this but i don't understand what the metaverse is it's, it seems like a poorly defined set of experiences and websites online where you can interact with other people and everyone's like well that was what the internet did anyway and then someone was like well but looking at nfts you're you can now ascribe digital value to physical um, actual value to digital things or in this case reassure the the provenance of something by ascribing an nft to it and everyone's like yeah that makes so much sense and in this like web3 world for me certainly there seems to be this huge gulf between the value of something like an nft and the the, the situation you described versus the um so i can't remember the name of the brand but you know their sort of metaverse experience where you can drink in a crap poorly rendered bar um, pretending to drink digital wine you know so I've got massively off topic here but it really really struck me today and it's so interesting to hear yet another example of NFTs being used in a very creative and very easy to understand way in a a real way right that's giving a value exchange to the consumer and not just trying to disrupt them but um, I think what you said about the metaverse is so interesting because I went into the metaverse and I'm only admitting this because you kind of already admitted that like not everyone gets it. Um, I, I went into the metaverse and I like made myself an avatar on a brand's, um, meta experience. Which one was it? Which brand? I can't tell you cause it's a competitor. But oh, okay. I, I tried to, to walk around and interact with people and I just kept walking into the walls. I just kept running my avatar into the wall. So uh, I still I still have some work to do to be able uh, to uh, live in the metaverse. Not quite there yet. Yeah, and a really interesting article in the FT uh, earlier this week or last week, basically saying that until the metaverse is as good as a very good computer game or better, forget it. Like, why would you spend like if you're going to plug into a system and connect? Like, I'm not a big computer game person, but I have played them, and I've very addictive personalities, so I need to stay away from them. But like an incredible console experience that you play on other line online with other people, you know, is 
that it needs to be as good as that. It needs to be as exciting as that in this this branded experience. Otherwise, you're walking into walls. I mean, I went into the Nike one uh, on Roblox, and it, yeah, and I was just like, I made an avatar, made myself look ridiculous, and I just spent ten minutes trying to find something to do and got really bored. And the only thing that kept me there was my curiosity about the metaverse. It was a bad experience. And uh, talking about value exchange, then you know, I, I assume other people will have had your lack of value exchange in this experience. So what what can brands be doing to make sure that anything they do, metaverse, NFT, Facebook ads, display ads, how do you make sure that there's a value exchange there? Always. You're going to love this, Tom. I would say my first piece of advice is don't go after the shiny new objects. Um, and that's And that's really because you can't do something just to do something. Like, don't make a metaverse experience for your brand just to make a metaverse experience for your brand. Make sure it actually aligns with your brand and what your consumers want. If your consumers aren't that interested in the metaverse yet, maybe wait a little while until they are and then make a metaverse experience that will be a better experience for them, right? So really have to be consumer-led and follow where your consumers are and what they want now and provide that to them versus trying to force fit your brand into what whatever is the cool NFT thing of the moment or the metaverse thing of the moment. Sorry, you've just taken all the fun out of marketing. No, I'm joking. That's a very, that's a very, very good, very good point. And unfortunately, we're at the end of the podcast now. So, if anyone wants to reach out to you to discuss the topics we've covered on this podcast today, how would you like them to do that? And what makes a great outreach message to you? Please contact me on LinkedIn and um, just send me a personal message. And I'm always open to meeting new people and learning new things. So, I would look forward to chatting with anybody. Sorry, that's not a good enough answer. Come on, what should be in that message? What really makes you? But get a time of these messages what what makes them what what makes a good one stand out i would want to know how you would have a good value exchange with the consumers that you work with that's better i like that <laughs> sarah <laughs> thank you so much I, I learned a lot and really enjoyed our conversation thanks tom it was a real pleasure to be here today hi just before you go I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That'd just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also, if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast or be a guest or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything, I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.